everyone. Welcome to another episode of From No Crypto to No Crypto. It's the Crypto Coach Blockchain Wayne with another cryptocurrency podcast. Today's episode is brought to us by newscrypto.io and also by Blockchain Training Academy. Two great resources for education and trading tools as well. So let's jump right into it. This is going to be the first episode that I do with a simultaneous video. And going forward, every episode will also have a corresponding video if you prefer to watch the video that will be aired on YouTube and library.tv. So make sure to check it out if you're looking for some good video as well. So jumping in today, I really wanted to talk about, it's been a while since I've done an episode. I've been working a lot on educational content and things that are happening behind the scenes. But recently, as of the time of this recording, over this past weekend, there was a major hack of cryptocurrency exchange KuCoin. Now KuCoin is a centralized exchange. Most exchanges are centralized in terms of one entity controls access points to it. Uh, you don't really have control over your crypto. As you can see, uh, once the hack started, they froze all withdrawals and deposits, hence the centralized nature. So is this a bad thing for crypto? So let's talk about the good and the bad of this hack because it really can give you some timeless information no matter when you listen to this episode about, you know, what are centralized exchanges, what needs to improve when it comes to those. And also it points out some issues with uh, with certain cryptocurrencies and brings into the question of what is truly centralized versus what is decentralized. So let's jump right into it. So a centralized exchange, KuCoin, was recently hacked for $150 million worth of cryptocurrency. The hacker was able to get into um, the cryptocurrencies, as far as we know, their hot wallet, not sure if their cold wallet has been uh, compromised as well. All that really means a hot wallet would be connected uh, to the Internet to allow people to deposit, withdraw the company to deposit and withdraw and trade. Whereas a cold wallet, you have a certain amount of reserves that are in storage that, uh, you know, even though they may be removed from online, if someone has access or has the private keys, to access that crypto and then they can get into it. Now, whether or not this is going to turn out to be an internal hack or an external hack, that's yet to be seen. KuCoin has been uh, touted as one of the most secure exchanges, but in the words of Andreas Antonopoulos, there's only two types of centralized exchanges, those that have been hacked and those that will be hacked. Anytime, and he explains us that anytime you put a centralized honeypot um, you're going to have hackers that are constantly going to be attacking and targeting those sites to, to get to that. We've seen it happen time and time again, starting long ago with Mt. Gox uh, multiple times. And then we saw Binance. We saw, um, you know, the, 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 one of the ones that we saw tank uh, in exchange. We saw uh, Cryptopia, and I think it was 2018, 2017 or 2018. Cryptovia couldn't recover from the hack. They were insolvent after. And actually, that was two to three years ago. And, and just this December, um, and, you know, uh, those who have lost funds in that exchange are going to be able to make claims. How that's going to work, not really sure. Um, but I doubt they have access to all of the funds because certain amounts that people showed they were holding on that exchange was withdrawn and hacked. And that exchange was insolvent. Now, KuCoin has said that they have insurance to cover it. Uh, they will be able to cover the hack, but $150 million, if holds to be true, could be the third largest cryptocurrency hack of all time at that current value. Meaning, yeah, we could look back at Mt. Gox and say that was the largest one ever based on today's values, but what is it valued at the time of the hack? 
Now the hacker was able to exploit the exchange, send the cryptocurrency to certain Ethereum addresses. They, they you know, took out from what I understand, I believe it's some Bitcoin, Ethereum, and also a bunch of ERC-20 tokens, which are Ethereum-based tokens that were then sent to a wallet. And some of it was exchanged on Uniswap. Now Uniswap is a decentralized exchange. No one really controls it. So it, um, you know, it, it definitely shows you uh, some of the downfalls of a decentralized exchange. But as I mentioned, centralized exchanges create a honeypot. Is a hacker going to target my wallet, your wallet, or someone else's wallet? And each individual wallet may have just a little bit. And if you have proper controls around your, your private key management and your seed phrase and password management, um, then that's not where the hacks occur. The hacks occur when those centralized points, you put a bunch of funds together. It's like, it's like a pot of gold saying, come and get me. So that's really what's happened in those exchanges. So uh, it's, it's important to remember that decentralized exchanges are still kind of clunky stuff, a ways to go. Uniswap is starting to get more and more mainstream, but it's on the Ethereum network. And also the fact that uh, Ethereum gas fees are extremely high right now, doesn't make it attractive for those that are, that are, uh, you know, trading, uh, doing a, a high frequency of trading. So there's still some things to go when it comes, uh, some development, uh, some user interfaces when it comes to decentralized exchanges, uh, but centralized exchanges, it, it, it can happen. Um, any system that provides an access point for admins, such as, um, you know, their development team and their admin users to be able to access and control certain points of the exchange. And they can also be hacked and, um, you know, and can violate those exchanges. And that's what's happened in, the, in terms of KuCoin. So KuCoin, um, you know, basically froze all deposits and withdrawals and is, is hashing this out, saying that all users' funds are safe. Everybody will um, keep whatever balances they had uh, on there. So that's one thing. So let's, that's centralized exchanges. So let's talk about the centralized, decentralized debate when it comes to cryptocurrencies, tokens, Bitcoin, Bitcoin's network, and even Ethereum's network itself, in essence, is decentralized. No one entity controls it. No one person controls it. It is uh, basically spread out everywhere, right? So, but what, what's happened when the, when the exchange uh, was hacked, when KuCoin was hacked, what we saw happen was um, Tether announced that they were freezing $22 million worth of tokens. Keep that in mind. Um, Ocean Protocol froze their smart contract and multiple other token token companies that had ERC-20 Ethereum-based tokens said they were pausing or freezing the tokens um, or rendering them useless. Now, in this instant, we could say, hey, that's a good thing. They're stopping this hacker from exploiting those tokens and in some cases taking a big majority of the tokens, you talk about a token that may only have a hundred million tokens. And if they have 10 million that they've stolen, that's a big amount, right? That's, I mean, that's 10% of the total token supply. It can drastically impact um, prices as, as, as it can be dumped. We saw that happen with some of the ones that were dumped on unit on Uniswap um, as it, you know, it negatively impacted some of the pricing. But on the other hand, again, that brings up centralization. Centralization in terms of they control the, the contract, that's the, the ERC-20 contract, which means, is it really decentralized? And I would beg to say that it's not because it can be still controlled by one entity. If, I, if anything can affect the tokens that I hold, 
Now, we look at it as, hey, this is a moral issue. The hacker stole them. Um, so we do need to freeze it. But let's talk about that. It's what happens when the judgment of the people in control of whether or not you can freeze tokens or pause a smart contract or whatever the case may be, um, what happens when the people or entity that's in control is corrupted? Then you don't have to necessarily do anything wrong. If I'm holding, you know, say 500,000 of this one token and that, that cryptocurrency, uh, you know, whoever controls the, the contract address of that Ethereum-based token, that ERC-20 token, can just freeze my tokens because they don't like the fact that I have it. Showing that this is possible is going to attract regulators and not in a good way, in the way that they realize, okay, there is a way we can control these tokens. We can control who uses and, can, and spends these tokens. Um, so there's some adjustments that needs to be made. Now, hopefully this is going to be a time where we see developers go to work and develop better protocols, better instances. Um, you know, there's other ways to do it in a decentralized nature. If the majority of the network of a token decide to fork off and issue a new token, rendering the old token worthless, then they can do that and they can choose to airdrop it to every address that holds that token, except for the malicious ones. Um, you know, again, it's still um, can you could fall on the bad side of that. Uh, if say maybe you bought your tokens from Uniswap and now they're flagged as bad tokens. Um, but at the end, decentralization is not one person in control, but when the majority is in control and they all agree to say fork uh, that network, uh, like what happened with Ethereum and Ethereum Classic, most people don't realize that the current Ethereum in today's state is not the original Ethereum. The original Ethereum was Ethereum Classic and there was a hack where a majority of its tokens were exploited and vulnerable. And so the network, uh, the majority of the network decided to fork off and, and create. Um, so the, the majority of the Ethereum chain moved to the new protocol and a select few developers stayed behind and, and continued to build on Ethereum Classic. And we see what's happened there. Ethereum Classic is not a very decentralized network in itself. And the fact that someone can gain majority control very easily, it's happened three times this year uh, in 2020, where there's been what's called a 51% attack. Whereas if you control 51% of the mining hash power of the computing power of the network, then you can rewrite past transactions, change past transactions and alter where tokens uh, are going. Uh, and that's happened multiple times. Now, the, the developers have reacted each time to fix it, to adjust to it. Um, but that's what happens. But when you have a network like like Bitcoin, for instance, and even now the current state of Ethereum, uh, where they are, that is a truly decentralized entity. Even you can say, oh, well, this country has a lot of mining. That country has a lot of mining. It doesn't matter. Um, you've got enough distribution of the network to where it can't be centrally controlled by one entity. Um, the cost to go try and, and hack the network and rewrite the network is way more exorbitant than what it, than what it would be worth from uh, doing that. And that's why that's kind of how it can uh, discourage that. So that is what happens uh, when it comes to centralized and decentralized networks. So it does raise a red flag of ERC-20 token. Now ERC-20 tokens, uh, they're built on the Ethereum network. They have their own um, contract address for the token creation. And, you know, token creation determines whether or not the token contract, should I say, determines whether or not they can 
mint new tokens or if there's a fixed supply, uh, is there inflating supply? Um, and then that's important to understand because not, you know, also recently you had an instance where a project had la launched their token. They signed a contract with a third party company to do a team lockup. So they locked up the team's tokens, which is good. You don't want the team to be dumping all their tokens uh, while you're trying to, you know, when you're looking at a project from investability standpoint of, Hey, is this going to be worth something in the future? And the price is suppressed because the team keeps selling tokens. But what happened is they also exploit people didn't take the time to look at the contract address and the contract creation to see that they could easily mint new tokens. So new tokens were minted and they sold those, tanked the price, in essence, pulled what's called an exit scam. Um, people were thinking it was legit because they saw the trust, you know, they saw that it had um, signed to lock up those tokens. So um, there's a whole lot of, lot of different things when it comes to centralized versus decentralized. Um, most cryptocurrencies, whether it's a token being built on an existing blockchain or whether it is a, um, or whether it is a, you know, they have their own chain, they have their own mainnet. Uh, in the early days, it can be very centralized with, um, you know, limited uh, diversification of who controls it. But there also should be a plan in place to truly decentralize that and put that out there. And if there's a majority of the tokens being held by, say, a team, there should be controls in place, uh, whether it's locked up for a certain amount of time, multi-sig contracts as well to access those tokens when they are available and other things just to prevent that. And also some kind of control to see, hey, you can't just freeze the tokens, right? That is very concerning when you think about it from a standpoint of decentralization of right now, it was to halt a bad actor, a bad player or players or a group of bad players um, in the space that are looking to exploit, hack, and benefit from this. But what happens in the future? What happens when the people in control of that contract don't agree with it? You know, USDT, which is Tether, has been called an, into question and under scrutiny many, many times over the years. They continue to just print and print and print um, tokens that supposedly are backed by, not just backed by the US dollar now, but backed by equal value of whatever it is. So if they have 10 or $12 billion uh, worth of tokens in circulation, they're saying they have at least whatever that number is, 10 to 12 billion in US dollars and the equivalent of asset value of certain assets. Um, but right now we're taking their word for it. So what keeps that pegged to the US dollar? really is the fact that we believe it's pegged to the US dollar. So again, value, current value in any of these cryptocurrencies is based on trust. So if you violate trust by freezing a smart contract, if you violate trust by continuing to print tokens when there's there's it comes into question whether or not you do or do not have uh, the assets to back what you're saying, if you're saying it's an asset-backed token, then trust can be violated. And when trust is violated, we see a currency can become worthless. Now that's whether it's digital or whether it's physical, travel down to Venezuela, see the dollars lying in the street in the gutter because it's not even worth picking up because the Venezuelan dollar is worthless, right? So that that is why, because they printed into oblivion, the same things happen in Zimbabwe and we see it happen time and time and time again uh, in the physical form. And now we're gonna see it happen in the digital form. You know, what would happen if, you know, I create a token and I get it out there. It's got really good use case. People think it has a certain value, 
but at the press of a button, I can just print more and print more and print more. Um, sounds like a scam, right? Cause then I can just dump them and suppress the price. Um, I'm cashing them out while you're trying to hold them, expecting them to go up in value. Um, so there's a lot of issues there with that centralized control. And also does that sound familiar, right? Just being able to hit the print button whenever you want and print more of your currency. I mean, let's face it. That's what the federal reserve is doing. That's what's happening to the U S dollar. That's what's happening to currencies around the world that are controlled by governments. And we don't want to take those same bad actors and put them in a digital form here. Yes. Our government's going to come out with their own uh, central bank digital currencies. Absolutely. It's going to happen. We live in a digital world where we pay digitally. So why wouldn't it happen? But at the same time, um, what's going to happen with the projects that are out there? There's thousands upon thousands of cryptocurrency projects out there. And I'll tell you right now, out of those, a fraction of a percent is going to make it a handful of them. It's not going to be like you think where one country, uh, one country has their own cryptocurrency and another country has a different cryptocurrency uh, or adopts the ones that are existing now. No, what's going to happen. Cryptocurrencies are borderless. Forget what borders say. All a border is is imaginary line that was put there by a man or woman to decide, you know, depending on which side of the border you live on, determines your status and the availability to certain um, amenities, I guess you could say, uh, based on where you're born on that border. Knock down borders, cryptocurrency, true cryptocurrency is borderless when it's decentralized. But you also have to remember it has to meet certain terms. It has to be open, right? If the source code is closed or hidden, um, I really wouldn't trust that cryptocurrency because your trust is still being put in an entity that created it. Um, it's going to be borderless. It's got to be decentralized. It's got to be. So some of these uh, tokens that have these abilities, and, and most of them do, uh, unless they're transparent about the controls put in place to stop them from just arbitrarily pausing the contract or freezing tokens, this is something you want to be concerned about in the future. Um, and it's got to be, um, it's got to be available to all, right? If it's not available to all people, then there is an issue there. So cryptocurrency can give you the freedom to transact and interact peer to peer without any third party uh, having to approve or being able to stand in the way of that transaction. So whenever something happens that shows that, hey, USDT Tether, they can freeze tokens on a whim, you've got to be concerned about that. Because what happens uh, when the reason they do it right now in Milano, we're saying, yeah, it's a hacker, absolutely freeze their tokens. But what happens when that's not the case, when the person making the judgment or people making the judgment have been corrupted? And that is the issue to weigh in. So centralization versus decentralization, there's different levels of it, as you can see. Um, and there, so it's a moving scale. It's not just centralized on one end, decentralized on the other end. What level of decentralization does it have? Because uh, the, the less decentralized it is, the more centralized it is and vice versa. It's a sliding scale that you have to make sure that we're on the right side of that. So in the future, I expect to see projects being transparent about this, especially this KuCoin hack. When things like this happen, uh, it can be turned into a good thing to where the space can learn from it and evolve from it and put controls in place to stop this from happening, both in the instance of what may have caused the hack um, how easily the tokens were able to be moved. But at the end of the day, um, those tokens were in possession of someone, right? And also uh, what can stop a certain entity or a government ordering a certain entity 
maybe because that entity is housed within a certain, uh, you know, behind a certain border where they're, the government can mandate that, hey, you freeze these tokens or you um, halt that, um, then we're right back to square one. So it's very important that we pick projects that are going to stand behind the true principles of cryptocurrency, of decentralization, and that's why it's important. So that's it for this episode. I want to thank you for listening, and we will catch you on the next episode.